0: The Late Morning Program with Nam Ra's podcast.
1: Hi, Krishna, everyone. You're listening to the Late Morning Program with Nam the number one Hare Krishna podcast in the world. This is episode 108. And who better to have on Vic 108. No, I'm just kidding. You okay. mean back to Vic 108? Yeah, right. From Raj, the guy who wrote
2: for the Back to Godhead magazine.
1: Yes. <laughs> we can talk about that. I love the, I love those articles. Um, Raj Kishore Das, Vic Takara. Raj, thank you so much for joining me. No, no, no. Thank you. So um, for the those of you who don't know, Raj and I go way back um, he was the temple president at the temple that I grew up at in New Jersey, Tawako, uh, in the mid-90s. And he was one of my, probably the most inspiring person in my Krishna conscious life at a young age. He was a brahmachari there. He was the temple president. And uh, just really inspired me with his um, giving me attention. And even though I was a kid, but like giving me time and, and um, a great example and I was just so inspired to be a brahmachari myself from being in his association. So I thought, uh, you know, let's let's reconnect. Let's get on the podcast and talk. He is in an interesting journey that he can share. That's that's I think very valuable for everyone to hear. So, Vraj, uh, let's start from the very beginning. What got you kind of interested or uh, involved in like spiritual life, Hare Krishna, straight edge? Maybe we can start there. Music. Let's say let's start with your your upbringing.
2: My upbringing was fairly normal. It was completely normal. Just like um, no, actually now that I've been an astrologer and seen a lot of people's lives, <laughs> my upbringing was a hell of a lot better than normal. <laughs> like my parents were really good and um but I mean, yeah, like normal in the sense I wasn't like um like in a religious family or anything like that or but my dad was very scientific and intelligent. So we used to like just talk about interesting things, like what's outside the universe. You know, and when like when you're four or five years old and you hear something like that, it kind of turns on the neurons in your brain, yeah, to think, think, think about stuff like that. Who knows? Of course, I think this audience already knows like karmas and past lives and things like that. So, yeah, who knows what my upbringing is? I can only tell you about what I know from this life, right. Um yeah, I don't know. And then getting
1: contact getting in contact with did you start music? Like you were very musical. You're still very musical. So tell us a little bit about that.
2: I think my mom really liked musicians. You know, like she had like a major crush on Jim Morrison from the doors. (laughs) (laughs) And so she kind of wanted her son to be a musician because that's what she thought was cool. And my dad, which would, tr- would kind of try to be a musician too, but like he, he didn't really have the flair for the art of it. but he had the taste like he could take know like he had a taste for music. so they would they bonded on like listening to music. Mm. And they used to like curate records and listen to the records and stuff like that. So that also introduced me to the concept of art in general, which is good for for scholarship because that's also a part of scholarship. And then um, I guess, you know, my parents, my my mom was just like, wouldn't it be super rainbow dandy if my son knew how to play the piano? So when I was like eight or nine or something, they just started me on piano lessons to to my like chagrin. Like I didn't want to do it, yeah. but um, I didn't want to do it. But yet it was fascinating. And so I learned if you start with the piano from a real teacher, then you kind of it's like going to a proper school or something, or it's like learning grammar. So then it gives the your brain like uh, the right way to think about music later on when you think about yourself. Right.
1: And as like in high school and you got into rock, hardcore music, is that how Well, that
2: yeah, that is how it happened. So it was more like, it was more like, I, I mean, I was just talking about this yesterday. So maybe I feel... Like a little, I'm talking with a little less detail today. And I apologize about that. But oh, that's like, okay. um I'm just a weird person, right? <laughs> and I've I've always been a weird person. Which means I didn't, I didn't like, like I don't like, I don't know. Like my biggest emotional breakdown when I was a teenager was I don't like anything. I don't know what I'm, what am I going to do? I don't care. There's nothing. I don't want to do anything. I don't want to get this job or that job or what, you know? So like I was always weird. So that what happened with that was I would always go towards people who were kind of weird too. I would make friends, make friends with them. So I wound up being in the circles of people that were weirder than most. So I wound up like with, instead of being into football, I would be into BMX freestyle in the eighties. That was, a, that was like a thing. BMX freestyle was a big thing. And then um, a big thing amongst like punky type of people. And then from that, it was like skateboards. And then from that, it was like these weird bands like Sex Pistols, Agent Orange. I can't remember some of the other. Dead Kennedys, like those really punky, punky, punky bands. Hmm. And from that, I was like, oh, that's interesting. And then the kids that were in my school, there was this like group of them that was really, they had a nice community with each other that were just head over heels musicians. These people were really good musicians too. It was like a really high cu- caliber of musicians, natural, like spontaneous. Uh, they could just write like amazing stuff. And they were like 16, 15 years old. But uh, there was a whole group of them and they were into this like new thing that was coming out, which was like this straight edge punk rock, hardcore metal kind of music from New York city. We were on Long Island and I just somehow by the Karma River got, you know, my leaf on that river kind of flew in that direction and I was in with them.
0: Right.
2: And then, so I, then I wanted to join the band, like to be in their bands, because also girls was a big deal for me. So so I like learned how to play piano. Well, that was like worth absolutely nothing in terms of like having a girlfriend in high school, you know, attracting a girlfriend in high school. (laughs) So I would so I had this idea, like, why not join a band? That would be cool. Girls like that. But they don't. There's no position. I actually auditioned for a punk band with a synthesizer.
1: <laughs> wow. Seriously. Yeah, yeah.
2: And then they were like, "No, thanks." But um, then I, you know, so I figured I need to learn how to play guitar, and that was also interesting. It's one of these past life things. Like in the Fourth canto, Narda, is telling a bar shot. Barishad has this question about reincarnation. Like, like he's got this, got this pretty good question. Like, how come the things that we do in life A basically happen to us in life B? It doesn't seem fair, right? So Nard starts explaining, like, the connection between A and B. It's the same person. It's not a different person. And then, so Barshat's kind of interested, like, how would I know who I was in in A, in life A, if I'm in life B? So he starts to give some really practical info how you can know your past life. And he says, one of the sure things that you know is when you have a talent or a skill that just happens, you you, you just you just already know it. Then obviously, you, because nobody learns something without making an effort to learn it. But if you learn something without making an effort to learn it, it means you already made the effort to learn it. So you must have done that in a past life. So that was how it was for me with guitar. It was just like as soon as I picked it up, it was like I know what to do with I know what to do with this thing. Mm. So I just <laughs> put on records and started playing along, and then all of a sudden I was in bands, and all of a sudden I was in good bands that like they the, uh, the people that were you know making the music, not just like high school people. It wasn't like oh this is something to impress girls anymore. It was like the people that were into music wanted to hear these bands. So I got lucky. I got in with these people that were really good musicians, and then pff, that swept up into the can thing. you name some of those bands well you would laugh the first one the one that i tried out for with the um synthesizer was called bloody uterus <laughs> <laughs> and then the one that and then the, the first one that i actually got in was called toxic phlegm oh my god these names these yeah, names yeah. are amazing. really good names <laughs> then those were not really any serious bands they would just play like the battle of bands or somebody's backyard yeah then uh, then I got into a band called, oh, then I made a band called Socially Incorrect. That was actually pretty good. Mm. It was a trio. So I was singing and playing guitar. And then because I did that record, the other guys that were in the, I like we did a demo. And the, that got the attention of the other musicians in the school. So that, then all of a sudden they wanted me to be in, in a real band with them. So then I joined a band called Inner Strength. Now, no, again, nobody really heard of the band Inner Strength, but the members of Inner Strength are like people that played in bigger bands later on. Oh,
0: wow. And
2: then that band got split in half and joined with this other band called Beyond. Now, Beyond is the band that like they'll, the people will still ask us to come play now. Like Yeah,
1: in- I've heard of that band. Yeah. Yeah.
2: So that band was very, very good. Like, they still I
1: ask you to this day to to Yeah, play.
2: yeah. Wow. <laughs> yeah. And then after Beyond, I moved to California. Yeah, and then I met Zach out there, and then we did Inner Strength. Zach is famous; he's Rage Against the Machine. Zach. Right. Then from um, then after, then while I was in Inner, not Inner Strength, Inside Out. While I was Inside in out, Inside right. Out, I was like in contact with Ray. Actually, since I was in Beyond, I was in contact with Ray Capo Raghunath Das. Mm. So then we were making this plan to like take over the world. So we like he pulled me out of the inside out and we got together in shelter and we did shelter. Then when we got close enough to each other we realized actually <clears throat> we want to get further apart from each other. So then it was shelter split and we became 108 and shelter.
1: 108s a different sound than shelter. It's like a different style, right? Yeah. Tell us a little bit were you were you um mainly writing the songs for for 108?
2: Yeah, 108 was like f- Well, one way it has different Mahadashas. (laughs) (laughs) The first one was the the Kishore of Mahadasha. That was like from the inception of the band up until like the third record. It was basically 99.9% Vraj That's all. I, I wrote everything. I wrote the drum beats. I wrote the bass lines. I wrote the guitar parts. I wrote the vocals. I wrote the lyrics. I wrote everything. I told people how to do it. It was just like micromanager, set free, do everything you want exactly my way. (laughs) Then the next phase of 108, then we broke up. But then when we got back together, or even towards the end of that, it started to be like, I mellowed out a bit and the other people kind of stepped up a bit. So, and and actually that's way better. When 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 you have more people like cooperating with things, you get better results. Yeah. So then there's a second phase of 108 towards the end, which carried over into when we got back together, which is where peop- we were all kind of doing everything kind of equally or more like combined efforts and creating things. Why did you break up uh, initially? It's... Why do bands so, break up in the first? Well, like, usually bands break up because for the same reason, like any relationship breaks up. It's just right, hard right. to deal with people. Yeah, And uh, being in a band is difficult because you're creating things so everybody ha- it's like four brahmanas instead of you don't really have brahmana vaishya shudra in the band you have like four brahmanas you have nice. four people that are the heads <laughs> so it's hard to have them if if your head my head work in the same direction when we do then it's great but when we point in opposite directions that's usually what split bands apart but that wasn't the case with 108 108 was uh just because Ever since I started the Krishna thing, not ever since, but since after like the first few months of being in the Krishna consciousness movement, I thought, I want to go, but let's go back to Godhead. Let's, let's be Krishna conscious. Why do I still have my feet in like all this heavy duty nonsense, which is like dragging me down? Like, let me live in a temple and wake up at two o'clock in the morning and do sadhana. Let me not live in a van and like hang out with people smoking cigarettes until four in the morning. Right. Yeah, you know? So it's not really like the, mm-hmm. I wasn't the, on the Narada muni platform. <laughs> like I was in a platform where I don't really understand how being a brahmachari works with being in a, a, a band. <laughs> so I wanted to, for the longest time, I just wanted to stop being in a band. But the people that are like your managers in, in this they're like, no, just keep doing it because we need people, you know, and you're preaching and you're bringing new people in. It's great. So, so for a long time, a lot of people, I think. Yeah, it was good. It was nice.
1: It's like a, it was a phenomenon in the nineties, the amount of young Western, you know, people who joining krishna consciousness at like in like larger for people who don't know like in the in the 80s and no in the 90s so many people joined kids joined the temples in america north america that was just mind-blowing
2: it was mind-blowing it was kind of crazy yeah it was scary cool. in a way but it was awesome scary it was- in what way because they're coming, I'm bringing people into a situation which is so dangerous. Because the temples were really falling apart, mm. and the only people that were left, a lot of them were crazy. Like you know, it was like, like in the temple that we we landed up in a shelter when we cleaned out the Brahmacharya ashram, the bed had like magic crystals in it, along with pornography, like magazines.
0: Mm.
2: Like so, you got like new age people, porno you know like what the hell's going on in here there's rats in the wall the windows are broken like the that was the state of North American ISKCON at the time so we're 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 like saying come on krishna consciousness is great this is a great life come over here dedicate everything you know like give away <laughs> give up everything screw up your whole life for this and then people get there and it's like there's a guy taping a crystal to his forehead and there's like another guy running around with a knife or something, you know, it's, it was weird. So it was kind of, <laughs> am I doing the right thing or not kind of feeling, but I felt like I, we could change the temple itself. We could improve the temple itself by bringing the people in. And, you know, we weren't just, we were we were staying in one place. We were staying in Philadelphia and we were, so we could like focus on that place and the leader was on our side. So we had cooperation from the from the management and everything. So it did work out. So there was so there was
1: a kind of struggle in your mind of okay, wanting to be brahmachari, doing sadhana, but at the same time being in a band. And then your your authorities were saying you should keep, continue to do it because it's bringing people. So then, how did you eventually?
2: Well, they and that and that was one thing. Is um, for other people, you should keep doing it. But the other thing is people, people know, people with experience know that you have to do karma yoga. Yeah, like you can't really just jump into Babaji yoga ashram, right? (laughs) (laughs) You have to do karma yoga. You're 18, you're 19, you're 20 years old. What's the chances that you're going to become a sannyasi? It's a really low chance Mm -hmm. without flipping out and, you know. So I think that was another thing people realized, Like I think this guy is a passionate Italian musician, and I don't really know if he should give up everything and Mm -hmm. go live in Vrindavan and try to chant 24 hours a day. But I thought that's exactly what I should do. That's what I want to do. So I kind of hated being in the band while I was in it because I wanted to be a Babaji or or a Sanyasi instead. So eventually, it just convinced the people, like, I got to try it. You know, it's time to do it. I didn't do this for long enough. Mm -hmm. And then this other thing was going on with the way that the school, you know, like VIHE was becoming a, a thing. Yeah. So there was like a mechanism now for me to do something that was fairly what I wanted to do, fairly, very, very sadhana focused and very study focused without having to be too crazy or too wild, like I wouldn't have to relocate to India or something yeah your camera went out I don't know why uh, you can still hear me right I can hear you I can see you in my heart but I can't see you on the screen uh,
1: let's see what's the problem there it oh. is there we are I don't know why that happened that's weird Um. Yeah. But okay. Um and so then did you feel more like you were doing what you wanted to do when you that that was Tawako, right? When after you yeah.
2: left there? Yeah, that was your your era. Your your era was first of all, also I just wanted to say something like it's not I you said I gave you attention even though you were a kid. It's probably more like because you were a kid. Like I really like kids. Yeah. Yeah. And the the reason why I really like kids is adults are so tiring. Because adults have so many issues. And adults have... And peer... I, this is another thing with my nakshatra. With my nakshatra... By ascending nakshatras uttara, ashada. It's not a, a, a nakshatra that deals with peers very well. Like, I deal really good if, you, if I have a superior or if I have a junior. But when I have peers, I just... I don't know what to do. So, like, I love kids, you know? Because kids, they want you to take care of them. They want you to... Inspire them. They want you to educate them. So I do really well with people that are clearly superiors too, because great. I want to be educated. I want to be inspired. I want to be. But with peers, it's tough.
1: That's really interesting. <laughs> I I really like kids too, and and what you're saying makes a lot of sense. I I remember when you something I that stands out to me was, uh you had just come back from Vrindavan, and you. You gave me this necklace of Radhakund mud. You know, you used to make those beads out of Radhakund mud. Yeah. You gave it to me and you're like, this is from Radhakund. This is from Vrindavan. You told me all about it and stuff. And I was just like, whoa, I want to go there. I want to, I want to, you know, because you explained it to me and it was like, and it, it just kind of like made this seed in my heart, like, you know, of of trying to understand what's Vrindavan and what is this place, and mm-hmm. why were it was why were you speaking about it in such a way that it's like the most amazing thing in the world? And mm-hmm. and as a kid, like that was mind blowing. I, I I still remember that feeling. Well,
2: that was one of the best experiences of my life. Really, just going being in, in Vrindavan, going to Vrindavan, getting exposed to that was that was a very positive experience. Yeah.
1: And you came back. I remember you were you played mudanga at in the rt and all my friends and I were like watching you, and you were played these bablu mantras because you learned from him there, right?
2: Yeah, like I took like three lessons, but yeah,
1: <laughs> that's like enough. <laughs> See, another thing, another thing. What I'm saying about like picking up like something from past life or something. You just like were playing these these beats, and and we were just like we were Verdunga players and 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 we were just like, what is this? I can't even, ima- I didn't even imagine. I was like, what is he playing? It's like nothing like we're playing. Mm-hmm. And that was another thing that uh, was really fantastic. I remember when you came back playing My Gosh. um. So, so you said that's, that's really, really
2: funny though. That's really funny. Like how the tables turn because now the, the way I'll look at you playing merdunga is we'll be like, <laughs> Whoa, what is that? I need to play that.
1: <laughs> yeah. Um, So how long were you there in Tawako for? I mean, and then you eventually became Temple President. How did that happen?
2: The whole way I got to Tawako because that's Yeah, tell us about that. Yeah, it's just because uh, for good or bad, I was really pretty much like a where I I literally didn't have a place to live. I I didn't have money. Like I didn't even have a temple that I lived in, which would go on tour and then wonder where we're going to go when we come back after 108. Yeah. And once 108 started. And so I just wound up in the storefront of 26 second Avenue. Which is not really fit for an, you know, you can't live there. There's, it's no. just a storefront. <laughs> it has a toilet and a sink, right. but that's it. So we, um, we lived there for a couple of months and Subal came to some of the programs. And he saw an opportunity to like to save my life, but also to like help himself, help his temple out. He's like, "What are you doing here? This is just." I liked Twenty Six Second Avenue because it felt like Vrindavan, Mm. because it's the same spirit, like early Krishna life versus early Riskan and early Prabhupada. It's the same kind of, it's the same mood. Mm, Um, I did like it, but at the same time, it was pretty difficult to. I want to shave your head, but not have enough money to buy a razor. Wow. Yeah. Which is very funny because I just made, I should have been rich. I just came off a tour. But somehow or another, you don't have money when you go on tour as a support band. But um, he he said, you know, there's this temple that's basically empty and it's big. And I'm sure that we'd we'd like to have you. I could arrange you to meet the temple president. And then I went there and I was kind of like, I guess sometimes I can be business oriented without knowing that I am because I was like, well, here are my conditions, <laughs> you know, I'll move here, but like, I, I don't wash pots and I don't do stuff like that. I'm not going to do book distribution. I, I can live in your temple, but, and I can do, you know, like a weekly program for you guys, but I'm not going to be like the chari that, yeah. you know, you usually have your camera went out again. Yeah, I, know, not... I think it's a wire because it flickered. Oh, really? Yeah. Uh, let's like, like a loose plug or something. Um... That's That's a a different
0: different camera, camera,
1: right? (laughs) (laughs) I think it's a setting on the. On the camera.
2: Maybe it's shutting off.
1: Yeah, I think that's what it's doing. All
2: Uh, right, I don't
1: mind. You know what? Let me just uh change the camera to this one.
2: Really? It's so less glamorous. <laughs>
1: no, no. Okay, actually, okay. Uh, let's turn it back up. Yeah, cuz that one's going to keep going off. I guess.
2: Whatever. All right, this one does look more Babaji. This is <laughs> <laughs> It's like all yellow and stuff. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever.
1: Yeah, let's continue. It's it's it, oh. What were we saying? Uh, you were talking about having conditions. Yeah. You are going to so wash he,
2: pots. He agreed to my conditions. And it worked out great for everybody except for the other brahmachari that was living there for the past million years. Right. Maitreya, who hated the idea that some young guy was going to come in and scot-free, scot you know, not wash dishes, not do book distribution, not do any puja. Right um so he i think i actually wound up driving him away and he moved away from the temple i didn't try to it wasn't intentional but i think he just disliked me that much mm, interesting yeah He's still um, around, by the way yeah yeah i saw him in
1: was it the uh, a few years ago i was like whoa he's still around he's like a dinosaur
2: yeah yeah he has there's something to respect about him he's like Totally. He has this immovability, like a sense of immovability to him.
1: Yeah. He's like, you think he's English or Scottish yeah. or something? Yeah. Yeah. But so, so, so you came into the temple. Did you bring
2: anyone with you or it was just? It was just me.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. It was just me. Like the rest of the guys in the band at the time, they weren't like Bromchart. Life kind of people rasaraj he I think wound up moving in with his dad after twenty six second avenue and Tony I think he went to Philadelphia for a while and then left and left the temple and then the the drummer was always just like somebody that wasn't like a temple devotee person. so it was only me in the band yeah. but then what did we do? Like we started doing the Friday, Saturday night. I called it Saturday night life, Saturday night life.
1: Saturday night life. I remember. that. Yeah.
2: And then we got like, some people started coming to come the Saturday night programs. And then they like pretty quickly just moved into the temple. There was Billy Joe and there was Mah- yeah. Mahamuni. I forgot what it is. Matthew Dasty. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and then he brought like a million friends. they were all like, from those like,
1: Rutgers type. Yeah point pleasant
2: yeah 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 and pretty soon tuaga was pretty full with like pretty high caliber people like you know we're still around to
1: this day i mean in their own way but yeah that's so cool i love that and they were good people
2: that was good that was good times like those people were really they were emotional and intense and like on it they were like into it (laughs) But again, in another sense, it was like over the top because it's like 20 19-year-old, 20-year-old people. Of course, it's going to be over the top. It's yeah. like unbalanced. But setting that aside, it was actually a pretty wonderful thing. Like what do you mean unbalanced? I mean like you don't think about tomorrow or you don't think about anything realistic. Mm. You just think like Krishna, let's go right now, back to Godhead, boom. Like it's not going to oh, happen yeah. like that, bro. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not thinking any like – forward anything my forward. parents
2: who cares my my career who cares I'm not what career you know right what about temple temple bills who cares like even like that like i couldn't think oh, about who really? temp bills money finance what i need somebody else to think about that right
1: right right and then how how long was that going on for that that whole golden I don't what do no. call the golden era of yeah
2: I don't know, but it seems like, you know how like the Rasulila takes like a million yugas? Mm. It, 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 so it, time is so dilutable, depending on how you're experiencing. Time is a, is a shakti for of consciousness, or it's a part of consciousness. So it's flexible to consciousness. So how long it took, like it took like a lifetime. Like it took forever. I was living there for like lifetimes. That was a lot of stuff that happened there. But I think on the calendar, it was like two years. I don't know 94 to 96 97 in or, total
1: overall good experience or traumatic or
2: I think all ex- experiences can have a lot of things in them at the same time that's why I named my 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 book Trainwrecks and transcendence oh Be- right like my memoir of that era because that's because it's terrible and it's amazing at the same time there's things about it that are just so such huge mistakes, or so sad, or so intensely bad, so such an intense shame. But there's things about it that are the most amazingly, incredibly great things, you know. At the same time, so was it an overall good experience? Yeah, yeah. But also, there's a lot of things that were painful or difficult.
1: Yeah. Um, and then you got married after that right
2: that is also interesting (laughs) please yeah um yeah (laughs) i this is one of the weird things Is just the way people i don't know the way people were thinking of relationships and marriage it's kind of like you know how people will marry for a passport yeah i feel like people treat marriage like that a lot at the time when I was in ISKCON, they thought of marriage like that a lot, like not necessarily for a passport, but for some other reason, besides loving somebody and wanting to have a child with them and raise a family, which is the obvious simple reason why you should get married. But the thing was, I was losing my steam, you know, for the Babaji thing. This was what worked. This was what actually happened. After I quit the band... The way that karma had it was that a whole lot of super difficult things happened at at the same time. Um, but I think it was just to make it a, a long lesson pretty short and fast, is that once I quit the bin, I realized, you, I didn't realize, but now in hindsight I realize you do have to do karma yoga. You can't just become a Babaji. You can't just become a sannyas. It's not a good idea. Otherwise, Krishna would have recommended it. Yeah. <laughs> um so what happened was as soon as I like wasn't doing the band and I didn't have these like big passionate projects I started to lose my steam for you know thinking like boom let's do the whole thing let's go be Iyendra. And then the advice from the 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 mentors is well why don't you get married? Like, as that's going to solve a problem. Like, instead of, if you if you leave the temple, then that's disgraceful. But if you get married, then you have a good excuse to live, to move out of the temple. Mm-hmm. It's like, is it really that important what my reputation is? And that I should ruin somebody's life potentially by marrying them just to protect my ass, mm-hmm. my reputation, so that I can leave the temple with dignity? like your ego is it's not that important what happened with me is lucky you know that i was my destiny was to have a good marriage and to have a good wife so it worked out anyway but i think for most people that's really dangerous
1: it doesn't always work like
2: that it doesn't always work like that and it's terrible So you know it could be very bad for people especially for the women but um i got married and then like literally the next day flew to california yeah.
1: <laughs> I remember that marriage, right? You, yeah, everyone? we talked about that before. We did, yeah. It was a happy time, but at the same time a lot of like I remember you were saying before, like it was such an auspicious thing, but at the same time there was like some there was there was people, you know, like me, maybe a few, uh, maybe others also. I'm not sure what other people were thinking, but inauspicious thoughts in the sense of like, okay, now this means something else this means the next step this means raj is leaving the temple yeah. and leaving his post as the temple president of this like vibrant kind of community that has begun to you know amazingly uh you know changed a lot the, the the whole landscape of that yeah. temple so for me it was a sad thing as a i don't know how old was i maybe f- 12, 13 years old and super involved with the temple with you and it was uh yeah, it was interesting. It was for me, it's
2: a sad thing too, to be honest with you now.
1: Yeah.
2: I just wish that actually I've never really thought about this before, but imagine if it was a different world. And it wasn't like about if you're married or not, or if you're if you eat. Onions or not? Imagine if it wasn't like right. that, right? And I could have stayed there. Yeah, that would have been great, man. That would have been perfect. That's what, what I wanted to do too? with my life. That's what I wanted to do with my life. Yeah. Was
1: it because you were getting married that you couldn't stay there? There are other married people in the temple, though.
2: No, it was that. It was a whole thing. It was that basic type of thing. You know, it was that basic type of thing. Also, it was just too much. There was just. Yeah, it was that basic thing. And then it also it was just ISKCON was ISKCON with, you know, a lot of problems that were directly mm-hmm. impacting me.
1: Right. Like, for and, example.
2: Like, Swami, being my guru, being involved in child abuse. Um, like, the the, the Violence towards women, I didn't really get directly impacted by, but the culture of not giving a damn really about the needs of children, not giving a damn about the needs of women, which is basically the same as the needs of children. Not because women are like children, but because women take care of children. Yeah, the the male centricness of it, the macho-ness of it, the complete the complete lack of grasp of the essence of the femininity of what bhakti is. It's love. Love is a heart. Love is pink. Love is a girly thing. I don't understand how it gets, gets to be like a monopolized male monopoly thing. Right. Uh So that, you know, that was difficult for me. The, the like anti the conformity thing, the anti-intellectualism of Iskon was hard to deal with. The conformity of it, the like the army kind of structure.
1: But you were but you were the temple presence. You were at the top. So how did it it's not
2: the top, but yeah.
1: But yeah, how did how did you feel that pressure when you was you were the ones making you were the one making the calls though, right? Like, well, oh, wow. I, I mean, uh,
2: the yeah, I'm pretty brash, so I was trying to exert my power. But right. you're not at the top when you're the temple president. You have like right. GBCs. You can see, there's yeah. a whole hierarchy. Right, right. So, like, there was a huge thing. I mean, just to be, just to give you one practical incident. I don't remember the old days when women had to stand in the back of the temple. Yeah, yeah. So I was one of the people that was like, "This is retarded. Why are we doing this?"
1: Um, was it? Was it? Was it, like in Tawaka From what I always remember, it was that they were saying side to side. But was there a time when there was there was, there was just in the there back? was a
2: time and when it was Sunday feast and people, you know, when you had to put on a good face to people, and it was Sunday feast, or even just like people would come in and be like Indian women would be like, what the? Why would I stand in the back? They go up to the front, right? Um. So on a Sunday feast in Tawako, even in 1989 or 90 it would be women would be on the right side and the men would be on the left but not in, during the regular temple programs but then you'd have rumhatswami come over when we after i made it so that the all the time the men would be on the left and the women would be on the right and then he would stand on the right oh intentionally you know mm. so those are the kind of things like you're not you
1: he was the GBC there at the he time? He was the
2: GBC for that place. So you can't really do whatever you want when you're the temple president. It, it, really, you can never really do anything you want unless you're the founder of Sharia. <laughs> <laughs> right.
1: Wow. And so, okay. Interesting. And then you got married and you're still married to this day to the same person, Shamasaki, who is an amazing person. Um, and you have a family together and you live in Japan, but you went to California and what did you do there? What was the thought process with
2: California? The thought process was my, well, the thought process was okay. Marriage means I need money. So where do I get that from? Because I, you know, when you're a musician, you make money, but you don't make it like regularly. Yeah. And it, it's really not that not that easy to make it in a significant amount. So, and plus you need to do a lot of work. So musician wasn't going to be the thing that was going to make a family work. So that was one of the big question marks in my mind when I was considering the option of getting married. Like, if this happens, what do I do? How do I, how do I pay your rent? How do I pay rent, et cetera? So my dad, my mom and dad, of course, were like, this is a very good idea. You should get married and move out of the temple. So, they wanted to help in any way possible. So, my dad was like, My dad has a comp has, a so- has to this day a software company. He still has it? Kind of. He, he's now like a permanent um, consultant. It's so more like he's an employee for somebody else, but technically, he still has his company. And he, actually, he employs my son, my oldest son. Get out of here. Really? Yeah. Like coding and stuff? Yeah, they do different things like that, different projects. So cool! Yeah, <laughs> wow. So he was like, "Yeah, well, well, you can learn HTML, and there's this other thing called vermal at the time, and and I, you know, you can work for me." So it's like, okay, that's that solves the problems. She so said, "But yeah, but you have to live here in California, right?" So I said, "Okay, cool."
1: And how was that life? As opposed to like the temple like this was a completely different thing
2: it wasn't com completely different because we would st- we were still doing like a weekly satsang okay in our at a place but it was very different just to be able to wake up on your own schedule and just to go to sleep whenever when you want it or you know it was very different to live with a woman it was different it was just fun. It was actually fun. Like I, one of my fondest memories is just brushing my teeth with Shamasaki. And then we both break, break out laughing, just looking in the mirror. It was right. just, it was fun. It was like, there's so much freedom.
0: Right. Right.
2: And it was like, it was a feeling like finally these people are off backs. you know. Right. Finally, we're by ourselves. Nobody's going to criticize us for brushing our teeth with a toothpaste that has gelatin in it or whatever, whatever, whatever it might be, you know. The way of the the hyper scru- scrutiny that you get, have when you live in an ashram and it just felt great it was really very exciting
1: there was that there was the baggage even till this day of when brahmacharis change from being brahmachari to being grahasta, and like it seems that that's a in that time, it was even more magnified. I mean, now I think it's it's getting better slowly, but there's still like some shame around changing ashrams, even though it's like the natural progression of
2: things. Yeah, it's kind of weird. I think it's also tied in with misogyny. Right. Like, right. yeah. But also, it was worse in those days. But also, if you're just a brahmacharya and you're and then you become a grihastha, there's a certain amount of of like, oh, boohoo. But if you're like the guy who's like the brahmachari, inspires other people to be the brahmacharis, et cetera, et cetera, the, the, the future Babaji, the future sannyasi, and then you yeah. become a, a married person, it's like a hundred times magnified. It was kind of like a sannyasi fell down. Yes. Yeah, yes. it's kind of like that, even though technically it wasn't. Right. And it, it mean, always... that kind of was what it was. Yeah. I'm always thinking of ways to like...
1: Make that easier for people. I'm not sure what what's the solution there?
2: I think not being misogynistic is a big is a big deal. It's an opportunity to live with a woman. Yeah. Women understand emotion intuitively way better than men do because we have so much passion testosterone in the blood all the time. We don't we don't have the patience to take the time to feel these things and notice these things that they notice constantly. So if you're if you're interested in bhakti, it's advantageous to be close with a woman because you can ask her what it feels like, you know, or you can see what she what she feels. I think that's one thing. And then I think the other thing is, I, I the expectation when I entered the Brahmacharya ashram was the longer you can do this, the cooler you are, the better you are. The longer you can do this and i think that's setting people up to be to feel like crap later because no matter how long you do it there's always going to be you can only do it for, for five more minutes there's always going to be the end you know yeah. so you're always going to feel like oh that's it i'm not cool anymore why not say why not do it the way they did it i mean i've i've read the bhagavatam the way they did that they advise you to do it is if you're a shudra you do it for like a week if you're a Vaishya, then you do it for like a month. If you're a chhetiya, you do it for as long as it takes for you to learn your thing. And if you're a brahmana, then you do it all the time. But does that mean that you don't have babies? No. The, no, that means that you get married. But in when you're married, you, the woman decides the sex life. Ritu gamana. You know that principle of ritu gamana? No. The woman could say the rit, The woman can say, "I'm in season." Ritu gamana. Right. Oh, I and see. She, say, yeah. Or she could say, "I'm out of season." <laughs> And the man has to sit. And the man has to sit there and wait. I mean, you can initiate. A, a male in a Vedic culture can initiate a, a sexual relationship, but the woman can say nope, and the man has no, no options if she says no. Wow. But if a woman initiates the relationship, the man has no options to say no. This is why it's really problematic. Like if Suparnika comes, somebody, somebody comes that you don't want to be related with, you have to go through loopholes and figure out how to get out of this in a way that doesn't break dharma. But yeah, so, and then that's considered to be brahmachari. If if the woman is, this, and and let me tell you, it is, because women have way less interest. So, you know, so the brahm, even that whole concept of like brahmachari is, all, and also the concept of brahmachari as just being equal to celibacy, I think is it makes brahmachari, Disappointing. Brahmacharya is not equal to celibacy. Brahmacharya—the word brahman means knowledge or study. Yeah. Acharya means behavior. Brahmacharya means behaving like a student. Celibacy is one of the you know one of the angas or one of the yamas or niyams of what a student does. But brahmacharya doesn't mean celibacy. People yeah. usually say this word brahmacharya means celibacy. Brahmacharya <laughs> means studenthood. Yeah. You know, a lot of times students are celibate because they don't want to be distracted from their studies and when you're not cel- celibate you get distracted because there's always it's not just because of the act but because of the strings attached to it it mm. it's a karma and it leads to other things so generally a person that's trying to study something and learn something won't get sidetracked into that but um you know the concept that you can't be brahmachari if you're having sex and have children is also wrong otherwise there would be no brahmana babies right we would have never had babies <laughs> yeah so i think i think there's just like a misunderstanding of what brahmacharya is a misunderstanding of the advantageousness or disadvantageousness for a male a uh, male-centric because it's my life the the advantageousness or disadvantageous of having a woman around
1: I really like that point. I, I feel like I can relate with that a lot. I mean, the things I've learned to be that are helpful for my own bhakti from living with a woman is like so many things patience and forgiveness. And I mean, children as well bring that a lot, totally bring that out. Tolerance, humility. Yeah, we need to kind of, we need to take away that stigma that it's something wrong. I think that's so, I think that's so toxic. It's toxic. It's so toxic.
2: Play the Britney Spears song. <laughs> <laughs> How do you know that? Oh my God, come on. I'm like a musician. I know everything. Plus, I'm like a regular person. Right, I, right. Yeah. Um, so... So
1: going back to your timeline there, uh, California and then how long were you in California for?
2: Until I went bankrupt? You went bankrupt <laughs> Yeah, I went bankrupt. See I'm very actually bad with finances. It's not just when while well, I was a devotee, but I, <laughs> I am bad with finances. The only one thing good I ever did in my life was a Kinshina Krishna, my godbrother friend yeah he he advised me one time. That if you want to not have financial struggles, you should do Gosava.
1: He he told me the same thing, and every time I had a job interview, I would do Gosava. I would give money to the cows, and I would get the job. It happened like three times in a row. Same
2: thing, same thing. I just then I started doing regular donations to Goshala, yeah. And and I'm still not like um, Donald Trump or Rockefeller or something, but I don't have that like intense stress. Right. Of like, oh my God, I'm not gonna have money to pay the bills.
0: Yeah, yeah.
2: It's really that's an amazing thing. Like, phenomenal. It's amazing. Phenomenal.
0: Yeah.
2: Why did we say that? Uh, oh, oh, bankruptcy, bankrupt. Yeah, yeah. That was before the Go Save us started. Uh, yeah. So in California, it went like this kind of loop, like gradually getting less and less association with Vaishnava people, and. Ca- kind of voluntarily sort of voluntarily you know not not just by chance but kind of like because of negative experiences negative experiences with devotees are worse than no experiences with devotees yeah i know somebody might want to argue with that but that's my point of view my, that's why you need to avoid apparats it's better you're safer to not, a person who never does any operat is better than a, is in a better position than a person who associates with people and does operats. So the negative um, connection with devotees was taking its toll on me. And so I was just moving into, I would just rather hang around with ordinary people, but that went in a loop too, you know? So it started to like come back around like, okay, I've hung around with ordinary people enough. Now, like I'd like to have some people that have their inner mind, like the deep mind and the same place where mine is. Like I can get on the same page with anybody. Like, I, you know, any anybody, because I'm into everything, too. But like my inner mind, my my deep mind is in a is in a certain place where most people aren't. So after a while, it's like, you know, I want to have some friends like, again that can talk to me about the same things that I want, really want to talk about. Mm-hmm. And That also was facilitated by karma, which was when some some like concert promoter wanted to have one away, get back together again. It was 2005 or something. And so those guys, those two people, Rasaraj and Trivikram, the, the singer and the bass player from 108, are like perfect f- friends for me. And I'm I, like I mentioned before, I'm like a difficult person to be friendly with. But the, those two guys are like the perfect friends for me. And they're also like the perfect Vaishnava Sangha for me because they're really deep and they're really sincere, but they're not hung up on any of the superficial stuff. Mm-hmm. And they're... They're the same like me, like they're on the same page with everybody in the normal world too, but they're, but they're like, so seeing them again, made me realize like, that I, that's the person that I want to be. I want to be like that. So I got back into like, you know, the, ba- the Bhagavatam is such a great thing. Let me read it again, you know? And that's when also I was like tired of trying to make money here and there from computer type jobs. And, and all of a sudden Shamsaki just said, for no reason you should do, you should do astrology. Just one day I was walking down the hall and she was like, I was probably looking depressed and she's like, are you okay? And am like, ah, I'm sick of this career. She's like, you should do astrology. And then I was like, Oh, okay, I'll try it. And then that was like playing guitar. It was just like, I get this. I know that. I remember this. I know all this stuff. It was like a past life. Boom. Just everything turned on. Within a couple of months, I knew how to do it. Wow. So then that also was good good for me in a sense, because when you do astrology, you're constantly talking to people about karma. And when you do Vedic astrology, then you're constantly, you know, you have the same, all the same basic concepts that you have when you're preaching a temple. You deal with all the same basic concepts with the astrology. So it's good. Now I'm doing something that I actually... I actually enjoy deeply. So, but what happened was around that time, 2005, 2007, we had invested tons of money into a house. We bought a house for like 150,000 or like $250,000. And then in this like really ghetto area of California. And then the they like re- improved the area and like the price of the house went up skyrocketing. But you know how America is like, then the banks call you up and say, you know, you could have $75,000 right now if you just change the percentage number on the blah, blah, blah. And I'm right. like, yeah, okay, great. And then we like take the $75,000 and, you know, landscape the house better because we're thinking, well, let's put the money back in the house because then we can sell it for even more. And then we're like, let's sell it. You know, the, the next door neighbor sells the house for a million dollars or something, $600,000. So like, boom, let's sell it. And then that's 2000 and five, six ish with that. Like there was a big, huge economic problem in America. Yeah. and we were like right on the karmic edge of that. Like we couldn't lower the price on the house fast enough to get ahead of the curve of the decline. We're always just lowering it a little bit too little. And so that nobody could buy, would buy the house. So after a while we had a house that we couldn't sell for more than we owed.
0: Oh man.
2: But at the same time, we were like, that's fine because we're sick of life in America anyway. We're sick of life that the way that we, we had been living it with that loop. We want to restart. Like I want a fresh restart where we can kind of, when you, rest, when you change your environments, it's it's easy to change your, your inner self too. So my wife, she said, let's go to Japan. And I said, okay, definitely sounds great. That's I like Japan. Sounds interesting. It's close to India. <laughs> but it's not India. Like Japan is like does <laughs> Japan is like very lawful, right? India is very lawless. You have no idea what the politicians are doing. You have no idea what the yeah. police are doing. Yeah. But in Japan, it's right on the table. It's all above board. Like people follow rules all the time, every day, but still it has Asian culture to it.
1: I freaking loved Japan when I Yeah, it was
2: great like, when you came here.
1: Oh my gosh. So like the place where Archina was, I would just like walk... because she had to go to work. So me and Tulsi were just at home. And so we'd like cook for her and then we just go and walk. And people would bow to us and like um it was like so clean and so orderly. <laughs> it was just it was just amazing. An amazing and and people care about like aesthetics as well. It's not just clean, but it's like mm aesthetically pleasing place. We went to some temple nearby, Buddhist temple nearby. Then when we came to visit you, it was just, and then we drove and we drove through where the ocean side was. And oh my gosh, I want to come back. Cause it's so nice. I you remember should come that. Back. Oh, it
2: would be great if you come back. Yeah. I remember I went to Vrindavan once after having moved to Japan and <laughs> going to Vrindavan with, with some Japanese like habits was very, very conducive. Right. Because Japanese habits are very respectful to everybody. So it was really great to all of a sudden go into an environment where there's sadhus and things, but have that like spontaneity of the Japanese ness. Right. It's very conducive. So I, I think, like, yeah, culture is very important. Just teaching people to be respectful of other people is actually very important.
1: Yeah. Going back to, to 108, when, like when you restarted doing that in 2005 or six or whatever it was, then you just started playing. Was it a regular thing or it was just like, okay, every summer or something, we're going to.
2: We decided we were going to do that show, that one show, right? And then the show gets canceled. Like three days before or something, it gets canceled. But so then we just like book some other shows someplace else. And we just enjoyed it so much that we thought it would be dumb not to keep doing it. Yeah. So six months later we booked something else. You know, so we would do something like every every several months we would do something. And then we did that a couple of times and we were like, damn, we like this. We like each other. Let's make a new record. So we did that. And then we even would do like a tour then, you know, because the bands that were playing then had people in them that still grew up listening to our records. So there was people that wanted to help us. There was people that wanted to support us. So there were bands that would be like, yeah, you can come on a tour with us. So we could still play like bigger shows. It wasn't just like the eight people from the town that were still into this music that was popular in the 1990s. What What made 108 successful? Was it the music? Was it the lyrics
1: or was it a combination or was it the Krishna thing? Like that's what kind of, um, blows my mind like bands like shelter 108 what made them successful
2: it's everything it's a recipe right recipes are have so many different ingredients in the right proportion
1: right and every band
2: has a different recipe
1: hmm. like what make is it like the perfect storm in the sense of that time period like what makes it not as successful now in the sense of People, you know, I mean, the whole music industry is different now as well. Yeah, yeah. But,
2: well, I think one of the things that's different is when you're 40 or 50 years old, you're not 20 or 30, you (laughs) know, right. So you you don't have the same tolerance level for tapas, like that kind of intense, grimy tapas. Like being in a band is an intense tapasya that's not a sattvic tapasya. It's like a very, filthy tapasya you You have to deal with a lot of filth and a lot of dirt and grime and sweat and bad smells and unhealthy situations when you're 20 years old you can do that every day right (laughs) now when i play one show it's like i need to rest for like a week after that so It could be successful now if we had that energy, and we could do it every day. Like we, I mean, when we were in 108, at one point we would tour like 220 days out of the year. Really? Yeah. So, like, if you do that, then you know, if you put in the effort, you will generally get some kind of result.
1: That sound that does sound like the pasya.
2: That's the pasya.
1: I mean, pair that even with your spiritual, like you were hardcore devotee as well during yeah. that time. with Doty on the stage, shaved head on the
2: stage. Yeah. And it's hard. Like, and you can't really like party with people or enjoy people or have, you don't really make that much friends with people because they're not on your wavelength, you know? Yeah. Like, it, you know, I'll go to Germany and meet some German punks. I don't care. Like, but if I was a punk rocker, I would love that. Like, I would be, wow, cool. Now I have a friend who's a German punk, but I didn't. there was nothing really. I'd, Interesting in it to me, except who's going to be interested in talking to me about Krishna that night.
1: Mm. And um, so, after the bankruptcy thing, how did what happened in life after after that?
2: That was good. My then whatever planetary things changed and changed. Things started to go good. Life started to have a better, like optimistic feel to it. Actually, you know what? That was the beginning of Jupiter Mahadasha. <laughs> That was the end of Rahu Mahadasha and the beginning of Jupiter Mahadasha. Yes, and con- accordingly things started to get very I had started to feel optimistic about life, which is uncanny for me. <laughs> um I started to feel optimistic and it just felt good like to live in Japan. For a while we were living with Shama's brother, who's a guru Kuli from Vrindavan, mm-hmm. who's kind of famous amongst the guru coolies, Jiva. Mm-hmm. And because he, he's like a real like a little mischievous prankster type guy but he was very good music like really good, really good madanga player from that era you know it's not the same as like the modern kind of quality but he's sure. really good and he has a lot of feel a lot of soul so so we would play often together too like you just sit down and play madanga. we would do kirtan we started doing programs again more or less every week here in japan and he would play and it was just fun to talk to him. He would imitate you know, the Indian guru, and we would laugh. You know, he has like this way. <laughs> the, <laughs> the, the jokes that we could share would were great. And then then we were also, also living with her mom, who's right. my god sister, Bonanandini, right. And that was also hilarious and interesting.
1: Does, so does, his, does her brother still live in Japan?
2: No. So he hated Japan, but for some reason he just wound up here. Japan is a thing, you either like it or you hate it. And oftentimes after you live here, you think you loved it, but then you hate it because it's not anime actually, it's not really anime. And (laughs) the way that it looks on the surface isn't really the way it feels after a while. Like the people are very fake. Like -hmm. all the politeness and everything is very forced. It's very superficial. And a, a lot of people have a lot of emotional problems inside because they're very repressed. And if you get deep with anybody, it gets either disappointing or dark. Mm. So it's difficult. Japan is actually a difficult place to live in the same, in, this, in the same time that it's actually quite a nice place to live. Right. But it depends on how, you, what kind of person you are. He's the kind of person, my middle son is also like this. He hates it. Oh, really? Yeah. Because he, if you're a kind of person that really likes spontaneity and, oh, and he's like, like that. Yeah. Yeah. And, and if you really like spontaneity and if you really like truthfulness, then Japan is not the place where you want to live. India is the place where you want to live, or Italy or something like that, right? Or even America, because there you're going to get, well, truthfulness, but you're going to get spontaneity for sure. And you're going to get like hotness, right? India is hot. I feel like India is hot. People are hot. Italian people are hot. American people can be pretty hot, you know, but Japanese people, it's like, are they alive? You touch them, you know, it's hard to get them to be hot. They're cold. So mm-hmm. Shaman's I'm okay with that. I like that actually. I think it's kind of polite and respectful to be to not show your heat.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: But um her brother hated it. And and he also wanted to get married. So it was hard for him. Was, how do you marry somebody from when you don't like their culture? So he was trying to like he was having a hard time with the girl, you know, the girls that he could meet and everything. So eventually, he just said, "Enough of this. I'm going to move back to my to his birthplace." And he moved back to Croatia. And then, it, the, like the day that he moved there, he met his wife. Wow! <laughs> so now he lives there. And you know what he does for people? Maybe in your audience who might know him, he's now kind of semi-famous as a mu- as a musical instrument creator. He makes these musical instruments called pan hanpan, hand pan, or whatever they call them. Those, those yeah. metal like ronaga things.
1: Right. Uh, a a um. A devotee who I interviewed named Hari Kirtan, who's also Guru Kuli from that time, he toured Croatia with your brother-in-law, and he wow. was playing that that circular hand yeah. drum thing. It's made out of metal or something. Yeah,
2: like. my brother-in-law yeah. makes them now. He makes them. Yeah, and sometimes he tunes them to ragas. So you could, you know, you have to like. There's only a certain number of notes that it can play. You can tune it. So yeah. he has some that he builds that are like review. <laughs> or some other other roins yeah that's cool but he still hasn't yeah. given me one hint hint <laughs> if you're watching yeah
1: uh one. um so so japan yeah and and financially how is japan in relation like
2: in, in with
1: america was it like easier here easier there yeah. than it was
2: yeah i think america is well capitalism is basically rule of the viceha so capitalism is a really deceitful, tricky thing. And to live in a capitalist country, if you're not a capitalist, you can really get screwed hmm. so, um, like in America, there's just always a bank that wants to do something for you uh, that does not exist in japan i've you know there's no like loan industry or like credit card industry. There's nobody trying to like. Loan shark you in the name of some kind of prime interest rate. This is just honest to people. They put the price. They put the tax included in the price on the product that they put on the shelf. Mm-hmm. That kind of thing, you know. Wow. And they don't have like four ninety nine plus tax. Right. Um, they're oh, it looks like four dollars, but it's yeah. actually five. I mean. um, and the other thing about Japan is the major. Th- I don't know why we're talking about this, but the major the major things here are less expensive like the major expenses like having a house having a car car insurance those major expenses are less expensive the mm. other things are more expensive like fruit is ridiculously expensive you may have noticed when you came like yes. this food yeah, is expensive we, so, we, we
1: we walked and there was a mango and uh in this one shop and i and i looked and i like Did it on the like converted to dollars, and I was like, How does this make sense? What What was it? it? One, it was one mango, and it was like $25 or something. Yeah, I've
2: seen a mango for $700. (laughs) Really? (laughs) Yeah, it was in a fancy like Nordstrom's kind of store, you know, like it was in like an upscale department store thing in their fruit section. There was a mango, and this mango was like surrounded with like plat, you know, like it was like decorated it had like flower garlands all around it and like stuff it was like on an altar and it was the price tag was seven hundred dollars or something
1: that's crazy
2: and there's um, people that buy that stuff really yeah of course otherwise how are they going to sell that
1: right um and then spiritually how is it because i know there was a you know in 2005 you kind of reconnected there and then you went to japan but japan doesn't have a lot of devotees there so how do you do
2: i mean there is we had a good i've had a good time in japan with in terms of that um really yeah sort of i mean tokyo has a temple Uh, there was a while when i was going there kind of regularly the people are nice i like them you know they're they're like japanese flavor of devotee and they're kind of cool i i get along with them um there's nothing down here where I am, but that's kind of okay. Like I'm okay with that. We did our own program for a couple of years. So we made a lot, of, we made a lot of friends and these are people that are interested in Krishna, you know? Right. You don't have to necessarily be like a temple devotee to be able to have katha with.
1: Yeah. I remember and then they, we, go ahead. Well, I remember when we came, there was this one girl, I think her name was Hari Priya. Do you remember Yes. Her? Yes. She's Japanese, but she spent a lot of time with the ball, the balls. Yeah. yeah. And she knew Bengali? Yes. She was Japanese, but she knew Bengali. It's like <laughs> she like speak fluent Bengali because yeah. she married a Bengali and That's she grew right. up in Bengal, but she's Japanese. She married a ball.
2: Is she still there? No, she disappeared one day. One day she just disappeared. Yeah, we haven't heard from her. Oh man. It's too bad because she was super interesting.
1: She was so interesting.
2: But the the funny thing is, allegedly, in case there's any FBI watching, allegedly she asked us to watch her marijuana plants, right? <laughs> because we had this nice um, terrace in the house that got a lot of sun. She was just, Oh, this is perfect. Can you guys keep my, my marijuana plants here? So we're like, okay. And then she disappeared. And she left her <laughs> Like pen? We never heard. Yeah, they died or something. Yeah. <laughs> We we are also pretty bad with plants. We don't like. <laughs> we got this new tulsi, right? We bought these new tulsi seeds, but what is it with tulsi? Like, it doesn't look like a tulsi. Like, are they really tulsi's with these huge leaves? Or is well, that when they're younger?
1: Weird... When they're younger, they have really big leaves. Like, it's it's okay to have really big leaves. As they get older, the leaves become smaller.
2: So these are real, it's, and I should. But it's also
1: the shape of the like. Send me a picture, but sh- the shape of the leaf has to be like that specific species that we all worship
2: right it's not bumpy right it's a flat leaf
1: bumpy and like what? like a
2: regular basil leaf is like bumpy
1: oh bumpy yeah yeah no it's not bumpy it's flat yeah
2: these might be real i'll send you a picture
1: yeah um so association now for you
2: yeah things are different now also there the internet has become ubiquitous To our life, we carry her in the cell phone. Things are different. You don't really need to be in the same town as somebody else. Also, I think what some people, I think, also misunderstand Sangha a bit. Maybe I could speak to it because I've been on both sides of the fence. Yeah. I think people misunderstand Sangha. It's not just that. I mean, if I live next door to you, do I have your Sangha? A little bit. But if. If I live a million miles away from you, but have an amazing heart-to-heart conversation with you, mm. what's the like quality of the sangha? It's better. So the sangha is actually like sharing of the, it's sharing, it's sharing of the be- being. I think that's what sangha really means. It Means like embracing saanga. But like, what what do you want to share for Vaishnava sangha? Is it just a physical hug like saanga? Or is it, don't we want to share the bhava? We want to share our bhava. We want to share our heart. Yeah. Parasparam, like, bodhiantas parasparam, right? Katayantas, chimam nityam. You want to talk. Like, sangha for Vaishnavas is based on words. Because words share your feelings and words share your, and words are very transmissible with modern technology. So, like, it, it, it certainly is advantageous you can speak more if i was your neighbor right then we could have more opportunities for heart-to-heart conversation we could have more opportunities to to share each other's lives deeply but it doesn't mean that because i don't live next door to you that we can't get together and talk like this so even when i'm in, even though i'm in japan i feel like yeah you know, i have an a good relationship with people People that I need to have good relationships with, that I can talk to them about something real if I need to, if you know, and also like you, I think every person should build their sangha as well, like not expect it to just get handed to them.
1: That's huge. So
2: like, yeah, you, you I think that people should do, like for example, what song do you want to have? You want to have a sangha where people can get together and do kirtans? Then do the, then start doing kirtan. Someone's going to show up. If you want to have a sangha for you know discussing. X chapter of Bhagavatam, then discuss it. Whether it's like sitting under a tree in a field in 5,000 years ago in India, or whether it's getting on YouTube, it's that doesn't really make much difference. It's just get in a place where people can access your words and you can access other people and do it. I think I struggle with that.
1: Like you said, people struggle with the definition of that. I think that I have a very narrow view of what that is and that what you're saying makes a lot of sense. Like create that, like the way things are right now with the internet and the like if there is a need for that, then there is people you can create that Sangha with who may not necessarily be next to you. I just think that it makes it easier when they're nearby. It does, but then you also have the problem
2: of opera.
1: You know there's an but, funny but that can't be but that can't be a reason why you don't try to make it in your locality though right
2: maybe I don't know maybe for me because I find I'm a people find me abrasive so mm. I feel like for me it is pretty good not to get right up in their face right keep a yeah. certain distance. a certain distance um there's you a funny that thing that's with astrology, the, astrology yeah, yeah that, go ahead. That as it relates with this what planets? You know, planets like have their relationships with each other, which is either friendly or not unfriendly. But the way that you evaluate it is if a planet is too far away from another planet, then the relationship deteriorates, it gets worse. But if they're too close, the relationship will also get worse. <laughs> <laughs> it's the same thing. That's why marriage is difficult. That's why it, you should, you have to pick your marriage partner carefully because you're going to be too close. Yeah. So the, the relationship better be good, good enough that even when it deteriorates from being too close and on each other's nerves all the time, that it will still be good. Right. Yeah. I think other people are blessed and they're better with relationships so they can be close, you know, closer and they don't get on other people's nerves. Mm. But people like me, I have to be kind to other people and not force them to be next to me
1: for me it it's it's i'm thinking about like my children and their sangha because right now right here where we are it's um there are people around but it's not like like-minded in the sense of in in in, in at all the senses that i want them to be it's a lot of just like acquaintances and things so I feel like I'm looking for something else but then when I do go so like we were away for 2 weeks and then but we're like oh we but we miss where we live and we miss the people we do have around us and things and then I'm thinking maybe it's not about where you're like Krishna will arrange something to happen where it's okay and everyone will be all right and and I don't have to kind of be thinking all the time or maybe the grass is greener on this side or you know that kind of mindset is probably not the best mindset to have just like to change perspective on the situation you are at, at the moment.
2: Hmm.
1: Astrology, tell us a little bit about how astrology has been for you in the sense of, okay, it's a career, but also it's like you're full time doing it on YouTube as well. Right. Yeah. What do you, what do you do exactly as far as do you share like certain planetary things that are happening at the moment
2: no i don't do a lot of that actually um my specialty is to research things like that's my thing like i'm more of like a, a researcher so i i and also i since i know sanskrit so i i know sanskrit i know sanskrit well enough that i can read a book and figure it out from the sanskrit i don't like know it mm-hmm. as well as i should but um So one of the things that I do is I read the actual medieval books from India on astrology. And I share that with people on YouTube and explain that. Oh, cool. Basically what I really, uh, I'm good at research and I'm also good at criticism. So I can see where things are wrong, where things have gone wrong. So I try to like help the science of astrology kind of, rebuild itself it come together and you have you know become something cohesive and simple and and, and uh what do you call it? simple and repetitive you know you know like in, in science the experiment has to work one time two times three times four times and then it's valid it has to be repetitive repeatable consistent that's the word i want mm-hmm. you know astrology is a system. It's a scientific system for interpreting the symbolism of the universe. So, but it's all kinds of messed up over the centuries of disuse. So, but through my research and criticism, what I try to do is kind of help to rebuild it. So that's mostly what I do. I'm not mostly like a a person that's saying what's going to happen next week or next month, or this year is going to be like this, or if your Zodiac sign is this, then you know, this is the right time for you to invest in Bitcoin. That's not my my style at all. My style is like, wow, this is what Jupiter symbolizes. And see, this is why this Jupiter symbolizes that. It's more philosophical, like Jupiter symbolizes gurus because Jupiter symbolizes reproduction. This is an interesting thing. Jupiter symbolizes basically growing, things growing. So that's why it symbolizes producing things. That's why it symbolizes children. That's why it symbolizes the people who raise the children, parents. That's why it symbolizes parent figures. That's why it symbolizes gurus, the teachers. That kind of thing. Just to bring back the basic understanding of these really fundamental concepts, bring it back into people that are into astrology, that would really serve the science of astrology. That's the way I was with... With that, that's my same approach that I have with Bhagav. That's just my personality. Like that's the way I am with Krishna consciousness too. Like I, I want to study the Bhagavatam and I want to know the stuff the original way.
1: Mm. Do you, so. You do. You don't do like charts and things. I do.
2: I do. I do. That's how you. That's how you make money, right?
1: And 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 you do that. You
2: provide a service like that. Yeah. But I don't do I for, for years I was doing like okay, you could call me up on Zoom and you could pay for a session and we could do a session together. But that is really intense because you have because you care. I care. So I'm like an emotional person too. So like that was like really draining to like right. get into people's lives and to their into into their problems. So I actually stopped doing that. When I realized, you know, I'm at the point. Where financially I don't have to do that. Yeah. Then I said, okay, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to put myself through that anymore. So people can, I, because I know how to work with computers too, I can create things that can analyze a chart. I can make the software analyze a chart and produce and give, you know, I know how to write my interpretations. I know how to make the computer generate a report for me. My report. It's not like it's a computer-generated report, but I know how to make it say what I want to say. Oh, cool! Yeah, so um, that's what I've done for the past like six or seven years, and pe- that's the bulk of what people buy from me are those reports.
1: And you have, and and you get like a steady amount of um, yeah people wanting that.
2: Yeah, I, it came so much that I was able to actually hire my son, my middle son, to fill the orders for me. <laughs> really <laughs> so that's how good how old is he now he's 19 oh my gosh yeah it was
1: like was it uh, seven years ago that I came there or more
2: he was still a cute guy then. now he's like Mr. Big Sh- now he's like Mr. Big Guy but he's still cute and he's still like yeah
1: they'll they'll always be cute to you yeah
2: right? no he's still I have like, that feeling. he's got this um, enthusiasm which is quite endearing yeah he's very bhakti he's got like a lot of passion passionate feelings he's very intense Mm -hmm.
1: so tell us a little bit about um what krishna consciousness is for you now going through the so many different stages that we heard today about is and And your Bhakti life and 108, and coming that you know, leaving America, going to Japan, and becoming into yourself as an astrologer and study your Bhagavatam and things. So, what is it to you now in 2022?
2: It's Manabhava, Bhakto is like putting your mind on Krishna. That's sadhana, that's what it is for me. So, the ways that the way that I feel is the most effective thing for me is just to open up the Bhagavatam. That's for me personally, and it doesn't necessarily mean that that's the way that it works for everybody. But for me, there's no distractions. There's no excess baggage. There's no strings attached. When I just open up the Bhagavatam and figure it out, like it's not like reading a book, the Bhagavatam. Bhagavatam is like a puzzle that you figure out for me, you figure out what what are they saying, you know? Because it's in this other language and it's to other people and they're talking about far out things that I've never seen or heard in my life. So it's a puzzle to figure out what are they really saying? Like, what does this really mean? What is really happening? What did this guy, well, I wonder what his facial expression was when he said this, you know, or <laughs> you envision to vi- try to visualize the Bhagavatam in, in enough detail that it's you're really concentrating on it. To me, that's that's what makes me... That's my sadhana. That's my feeling of sadhana. Um, that's what puts my mind in Krishna consciousness. And I don't really think too much about what is Krishna consciousness. I just know that I like the Bhagavatam. It's, just, it's just like incredible. Every single story in it is so cool. I'm not even in a rush to get to the 10th canto. It's just so so good. Like everything... And it will just talk about these things that you won't expect. Like, it'll have, like, something that's, like, so important to social economics. And then it'll have something that's, like, so important to, like, how you might play sports. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it just has, like, everything in it. And it's, but it's all, and it's all dripping with, like, this romance. It's a very romantic, emotional book that's God-focused emotion. It's just, it's just incredible.
1: So I feel I, like I feel like when someone becomes like, like from hearing from what, you, what you're saying, it's like you you have no qualms about saying, you know, that the institution is not for you. I'm not saying putting words in your mouth, but I'm saying like I love the realness from you, just hearing that. Because that's just you you're just saying that's who I am. I feel like the devotees can get caught up in in kind of s- uh, the outward superficial kind of form of things over the substance of things. And I'm trying to become more real myself as well, but I I just want to appreciate you for that. Um, I like, I like that a lot. And I, I appreciate devotees like that a lot. Like they just, they're just themselves, but it took some, It. You, do you feel like it took you time to get to yourself? Maybe, or were you, yeah.
2: you know what I'm thinking about was, you know what i'm thinking about though um the walking dead right oh, i love the reason. walking dead yeah i started to think about the walking dead when you were talking it's because that showed me like it, it that illustrates really how people need to protect their their ability to survive and they'll their motive they'll motivate on protecting the thing that keeps them alive right so I think it's that way with devotees, really. I, and I think it's this is another thing which is a plus about not being a brahmachari When you don't need the temple prasadam to eat, when you don't need the temple roof to sleep under, then you stop. Like um, you know, and how in the Walking Dead they compromise their morals; they'll kill somebody else who's pro- maybe might be a good person, yeah, because that maybe they're a threat. So, like, I think when you need stuff from an institution, whether physical or even emotional or ego-ish, you know, f- for, like, status, social, when you need stuff from the organization, then you're compromised. I think the devotee's ideal should be that, the, that they aren't in that situation, like, where they're they should take i think that people should be able to stand on their own two feet take care of themselves not burden krishna for their daily maintenance yeah. because that's also the basic principle of brahmanas brahmanas should be independent they shouldn't be employed by others or sustained by them. why because it lets you ha- exist in that space where you can just think about something you know focus your mind on something just for it mm. not because it helps you survive or because you need it, because you have needed a place to sleep. I think I think moving out of the temple and getting distance from people. Sh- then, like, why would I even bother to like try to do something that's going to make Hiskon people think I'm okay? Like, why? What would I gain from it? I right. won't gain anything. So it's not even on my mind like, oh boy, I should have put on T Lock today. I'm going on <laughs> Namaras' show. Like, I'd never even thought of that, you know? Right,
1: right, right. I like that. I think that's, I think that I, I really jive with that point. We have, you know, I think it's becoming like that. I mean, temples naturally now are becoming like, okay, there's people living around the temple as opposed to more people living in the temple, people who have regular jobs and are standing on their own two feet able to kind of serve like in a way that's kind of real and to their as much as they can instead of being guilted into it or or pushed into it somehow. If, if they don't want to serve then they don't have to. it doesn't matter. and the people who are coming they're serving because hopefully they want to be there and 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 serve the temple and serve the institution in that way. Um, do you yeah, think the institution to- has a place?
2: Maybe, probably. I think different people are different and they need things, but I don't think it has a place. I, like, I don't think it's essential. Otherwise, then Vishwanath Chakravarti would was at a great disadvantage because he didn't have ISKCON. Do you think that's the case? I don't think that's the case. Right. Um. Uh, so I don't think it's essential, but I think it serves a purpose. Sure. It serves a great purpose. It gives people exposure to Krishna. To Krishna. Yeah, but I know I'm not in the thing. Like, I don't think it's required for sadhana or bhakti that you have to become a member of it, an organization. That doesn't make any sense. Yeah, but it's natural. Was- I think you'll get natural organizations like bodhiyanta prasparam. Yeah, this implies that there's a community of people, right? It, you can't you can't have kata unless you have a community. Yeah, but I don't think it has to be like a governable social community. Unless you have a mission, like Prabhupada had a mission.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And so that's that, that organization serves that mission. That's fine. That's great. But I don't, that's not my mission. My mission is personal. My mission is uh, become happier, you know?
0: Yeah. Yeah.
2: The other thing I want to say, too, I think is somehow related is what is this also? This is something also on my chart. It's because I have Chitra. I have Jupiter and Chitra as my most prominent planet. So I get really, I'm really sensitive to packaging and products and advertising. So I really don't like when things are packaged in a deceptive way or when the packaging doesn't match the product or when there's just too much packaging or, packaging or too much focus on packaging. Give me the product. You know, I, I'm buying bubble gum because I want to chew bubble gum. You know, it's nice if the wrapper is purple and has a picture of a zebra on it, but if you take the just take the wrapper off and give me the bubble gum. Right, right. So when they go to Krishna consciousness, what do I want to get? I want to feel Krishna in my being. It's nice if there's a sannyasi or not a sannyasi. It's nice if there's a visiting something. It's nice if your temple is big or small, whatever. That's nice, but just that's the packaging. I don't care. I want to feel connected with the all my the root of my reality. That's what I want to feel when the kirtan is happening. And if that's not there, then what's the point of all the rest of the stuff? Beautiful it's, point. Yeah. So what I actually found is like the easiest way for me to get that feeling is from just like Vyas, Sukhdev, Narada Muni, which you get access right with the Bhagavatam.
1: That's a that's a brilliant point form substance over form i think sure the maharaj said that substance over form yeah it's it's a struggle it's a struggle you know uh i'd like to feel that i like to feel that too and and uh i think i think i do at points but there's also there's also where the the packaging gets a little too much or or it's I don't feel it because of the packaging. Do you feel like you being there kind of at a distance is is, is helpful to you and like in Japan kind of it's kind of remote?
2: Yeah, I don't know. I don't know that I can't I can't look at the alternate universe where it didn't happen and compare the two versions and see which one is doing better. But I know I'm okay. I know I'm okay. That's all I know. And it's, it's not like I'm doing great. You know, it's not like I have problems. Like I have problems. Everybody has problems. Yeah. But I just feel like, I don't know. uh, Like I said, it in the beginning. I was weird when I was 12 years old and I'm weird. Now I'm weird. And it's okay. I'm just trying my best. You know what I mean? I'm just like, I'm just trying to my best. I just want to be like an okay dad. I want to be an okay husband. And that's like that's basically really all I think about most of the time, to be honest with you. And then because I don't feel like I need to think about anything else. When I when that stuff is okay, then I feel like I could connect with Krishna. When I'm lacking on that stuff, then I feel like what? You're not like when you're doing sin and when you're doing a dharma then I don't think that you can participate in kirtan with your actual heart, you know? But when you're doing Dharma, why is it? I mean, this is always why I liked the, 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 the family community around the temple more than the people in the temple. Because they're doing the Dharma. They're Dharmic people. They're taking care of their kids. They're taking care of their spouse. They they're, right? And they come to the temple. And so they access the kirtan from such a, an easier place. It's just an easier place the way they access the kirtan. Yeah. That's how I feel. Yeah, I, I feel like it's a shame. And I feel ashamed. And I feel like it's a shame that I have many problems with many people. And so that kind of like that cut us off my chances of like accessing krishna with those people
1: like in your vicinity or no, no no like
2: like, you know like through through the years like with donadarswamy or with like probably raganath all these people that i've had arguments with or disagreements with that's a shame
1: any chances of like that you'd want to
2: fix things. You can't really, you can't fix things. I feel that you can't fix things because you're not the only part of the problem. If I was the only part of the problem, then I could fix things. But the other half of the problem has to fix itself too. And sometimes they don't. Mm. Well, Roger, it's been nice
1: talking to you. Oh my God.
2: (laughs) It's been good.
1: (laughs) Um, for those of you um i guess i didn't share this but but we did this podcast already and it 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 came out somehow that the that that the sound on Rudge's side was like so echoey that it was unable to be used so i like waited two months and and was like no we can't do it again how can we do the same thing again and i said we'll forget about what we spoke about and we'll do it again. So here we are. Here we are doing it again and I think we had a great conversation and we brought some great points. Um, and I
2: think from, it was completely different. It was completely different.
1: Yeah. yeah. Some of the things we didn't touch on. Do you want to do you want to touch on some of the other things?
2: Uh, up to you.
1: Let's let's talk about I mean we can we can talk about it in a kind of, you know, a different way I guess this time around. But what is the role of guru to you? Because you've had you've had kind of like a progression or a transition of different of your relationship with guru. So what's the culmin, what was that transition like and what's the culmination of that to you?
2: Yeah. Um for, to my understanding, the guru is the access that we have to Krishna or or it's just a knowledge which is Krishna ultimately Um, the access so like for example the internet right now is like the guru for you and I to have this conversation yeah so uh, Prabhupada has a phrase the transparent by a medium you don't notice that the internet is there it's actually not really that important although it's essentially fundamentally important it's not putting any of its flavor hopefully unless we have a disturbance right or if we get a really good internet then it's a really nice comfort you know you get a clear picture and all that stuff mm-hmm. but basically you don't really notice the internet so i think the guru should be the same way i am sorry to say like most gurus have the feeling like they're front and center or most disciples have the feeling that guru is front and center and it's not like that's wrong because like just like y- your connection is super important to your media transmission, but the content, that's the same thing. Guru is supposed to deliver content. If you're saying that you're a guru, but you're not delivering content, then what are you saying? Give me the content. I don't care if I have an internet connection if I don't use the internet. So give me the YouTube, give me the download, and then it'll be obvious that you got the connection. I don't need to know your parampara. I don't need to know where you got your mantra from and whether or not there was a break in your disciplic succession 800 years ago. I really don't need to know that. I don't care whether you deliver me the goods or you don't deliver me the goods is what I care about. (laughs) When you're telling me about Krishna, am I getting enlightened? Mm. That's what I want to know. And if I ask you about Krishna, if I have a problem and I ask you about Krishna, if I, you know, are you able to help then you're a transparent via a medium, so uh, that's what I think. But the, on the other hand, you know, guru is front and center. Like I think that the the example of the internet or like a phone cable or something is really a perfect example. The phone is the thing that you're holding. You know, it is the most important part to you when you're talking to the other person. Yeah. But you don't think about the phone. You're not focused on the phone. The phone isn't the point. It's not like, yeah, I bought a phone. Let's use the phone. Hi, phone. You use the phone to do something else. So the guru is the way that we understand Krishna. The way that we get connected to Krishna. The way. That's what my understanding of guru. Is.
1: Do you think we focus on too much sometimes on the personality or? I think
2: it's. I, th- I would think it falls into that same category of packaging. You should focus on the guru 100%, but just like, you know, but the guru should be, the reason for focusing on the guru 100% should be because you are focused on Krishna, and this is where you're getting Krishna from. Mm.
0: Um,
2: Just, you know, I should focus on making sure I have my internet connection up because I'm going to do the conversation with Nam Ras, but it's not because, I'm not focused on getting an internet connection because the internet connection is so important to have. This conversation that we're going to have is important. Yeah, I think that people just like my guru, my guru, this guru. What what does your guru do? I don't, I don't know. I don't care. Is that so important? Who your guru is, my guru is. Also, it's like, what's the difference? There, what's the difference? Are you really getting something completely different from your guru than I'm getting from my guru? Then that's sus. sus. That's that's suspicious. That's suspect. Because they're both supposed to be co- connecting us to the same reality, so like I, this, like Uber differentiation of the God Brother and the not God Brother, or the yeah. person who's your in your parivar, like from Bhakti Siddhanta or not from Bhakti. Okay, I understand there's differences in the attitudes, yeah, the way that the knowledge is transmitted, but it's the same knowledge transmitted. Okay, there's some dis- differentials, but is it really that much of a big deal? I think too I, much focus on content, too much focus on the, the medium, not enough focus on the – the yeah, you know what I'm saying? Too much focus on packaging and yeah methodology, not enough on the on the actual content.
1: Like too much, to use the example, too much focusing on the internet connection as opposed to what we're going to do with that. Yeah connection yeah i agree i agree with that i mean it's it's uh but i think it comes with it comes with certain maturity to think like that like we have to do the work ourselves it's not that okay once you have this certain guru then you're it's like okay the onus is on you to do what like to be a disciple to be to do what the guru says and to um, put in the work, the work, so to say, not just you get initiation about from someone and then that's that's the end of it. But everyone's saying, "Who's a qualified guru? Who, who's a qualified guru?" But what about qualified disciple?
2: Yeah, yeah. I have two things that sprang to mind. One famous quote that from a person that I really admire is: Somebody asked him, "How come there's why is it so hard to find a bona fide guru?" He said, "Because you're not a bona fide disciple." Right. <laughs> <laughs> when there's no, when there's no market for something, there's no product produced to serve it.
0: Mm.
2: And so you look at the world. There's no, who want? Who really wants to fall in love? Everybody wants people to fall in love with them. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so who really wants Krishna, the person that you will fall in love with? You know, you will be in love with this person, not this person will be full. I mean. Honestly, in love, it's both ways. But, you know, the primary focus... Anyway, yeah, I don't think anybody uh, really, really wants Krishna. We have to sort of be tricked into it by the Bhagavatam. To, the <laughs> Bhagavatam has to kind of show us, like, you know what you like. Lo- this is, like, really what the universal form is all about and a lot of stuff. You know that stuff that you really know that you like and you want right now? That's just a sparkle from this real thing, which is Krishna. So, mm. you know, they kind of lead us by the hand to finally realize, like... It is, this is, it is better to fall in love with, it it is more enjoyable to fall in love with this great being than to have other people fall in love with me. That was one thing. Mm -hmm. The other thing was, I forgot. Oh, man. What were you saying? Just like repeat what you were saying before.
1: I was saying how it's, everyone's talking about qualified guru, but it's about being qualified disciple. uh, And we don't stress that enough. It's not, and it's not just you get initiated by a certain guru and then that's the end.
2: Ah, uh, yeah. You can, you can, yeah. I remember now. My one of my favorite sutras from Vedanta Sutra is the third one. It's the first one is Brmata Brahma Like Now you should ask a question. This is also like one of my favorites. You should Jigyasa, You should ask a question mm-hmm. about Brahman, and this is also it's leading you by the hand why should you ask about brahman the second sutra answers because Janma jestiata because anything else that you wanted to ask a question about is really a question about brahman and it, because it all really comes from that thing and then the third sutra is who should i ask all right the first question the first statement is ask a question the second question is why is this question worth asking and the third statement is who should i ask and the third thing is shastra yonita so the thing is you should ask Shastra this question about Brahman. That's the basic answer. But the wording that he uses is the yoni. Shastra is the yoni or the womb for the answer. Mm. But I always thought Shastra was the answer. I always thought Guru was the truth, right? Or the way the truth delight, I always thought the Shastra had the truth in it. It doesn't have the truth in it, it has the egg. But I have to fertilize it. I have to become a part of this process of gaining mm-hmm. knowledge. So the way Vyas describes the inquiry process to Shastra is participatory. So, like you're saying, people just think, like, okay, I I get a a lot of people just lay all their baggage on a guru. And they think that it, this guy is going to be my savior. As soon as I get this guy, he'll take care of all my. Garbage, just like a husband would, or just like a dad would. Mm-hmm. But that's not the thing. It's this now you have a what the guru really is is now you have an internet connection. Now you have a source that you can, and you have a portal. Now you can go through to get into Krishna. Now you have to go. Yeah, it's not going to come out to you. You have to go into it, and if you participate with it, then this knowledge, the answer to your question about brahman can be born from it
0: right
2: and so that i love that sutra like the suit, the brahma sutra is amazing especially the first few before it gets really confusing the first few sutras are really cool wow
1: That's awesome so shastra is the womb
2: womb um, yoni right <laughs> so you also better not be misogynistic, otherwise, right? Vak is 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 female. Shastra is female, but you're gonna to want to not associate with a woman. Then how are you gonna associate with Shastra?
1: What about like if you're in a set, if you're a sannyasi or a brahmachari? I mean, but I guess there's ways of that's doing okay. In, healthy, I mean, they, in a healthy way,
2: practical. No, I mean that's okay when you're a student. You really should take care not to get distracted, yeah. So that you can focus on your studies, right? So it, it, when you're in that phase of your life where you where you're studying, study. You know, don't don't go out and get get married now. It's going to be too distracting. You're going to yeah, have to yeah. pay bills and everything. But this is for studying. This is for preparation for something. Right. Or later at the end is a senyas. Okay, that's over there's no need to keep revisiting that same thing Then you've done. You're hopefully you learned from that. Now let's go back to that phase where we're focusing on some different content. Yeah. But I think the problem with is version of and sannyasa is like, this is the ideal for everyone all the time, which is so anti-Vedic. And so the opposite of what Varnashram Dharma is. Varnashram Dharma, the whole concept is, is everything is different for everybody. Everybody is an individual. One person should live this way. Another person should live that way. At this time in your life, you should live like this. At another time in your life, you should live like that. The whole Hindu culture is so polyistic and flexible. But the Western mind is so monistic and rigid that it's a really interesting thing that happens when Westerners try to digest Indian culture thinking and philosophy. They... They, they stone, they turn it into stone. They turn different bits of it into stone. We turn it into stone. We, you know, make it so rigid. Shiva is who? Who is Shiva again? Right. And Vishnu is who? Well, what are you talking about? Milk and yogurt. I don't understand that. <laughs> <laughs>
1: right. Well, it was a, it was a real pleasure talking to you again, Raj. And, uh, if you want to get in touch with Raj Kishore, uh, He's on YouTube. Um, he has a channel. Um, what's the channel called?
2: I don't know. I think it's just, oh, it's Vic DeCara's Astrology.
1: Vic DeCara's Astrology. Um, but you can get in contact with him here, com. for those listening on audio only. Um, and you can get in touch with him um, with, for astrology or any questions that you may have from from this podcast that you want to discuss with him, I'm sure he'll <laughs> appreciate some some uh questions or or anything. But um any closing statement still no hate, hate mail. No hate mail. No hate mail. Yeah, I had
2: enough hate mail in my way.
1: <laughs> <laughs> um any closing statements or things you want to say before we end there?
2: No, I'm grateful that we did this and i am kind of now in retrospective I'm happy that the first one was a disaster, like technological really? disaster. Yeah, because now we got a chance to talk for an extra two hours. That's true, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah but I just you. hope that when you listen to this one.
1: No, no, this one will be fine. Trust okay. me.
2: Okay. It'll be fine. I
1: trust. Krishna's um, on our side uh, for this one. It gave me the intelligence to 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 make sure everything was okay. But um, thank you again. I, I'm really, really happy that we got to talk. Thank you. Uh, stay on I'm just going to turn off the Okay,
2: okay. recording.